tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Incredible Journeys, Interceptors, The Shroud of Turin, and Whistleblown. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Crystal, you seemed like you wanted to talk about something. <laughs> yeah, I did. But then, you know, I realized that this episode is going to drop the night before American Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a meeting at work recently with one of our vendors who they provide. It said soft. we buy software from them or mm-hmm. not buy, lease, whatever. And this person is a recent immigrant from Ireland. Okay. And um, <laughs> two things struck me uh, during this conversation. First, he recently had gone golfing and somehow managed to uh, sprain his ankle and break his back oh. from slipping on the golf course, I guess. Oh, he yeah. uh, Then he went and got checked out. Um, as you do at the uh, hospital or at a doctor's office. And in order to get the surgery to, to correct whatever issue had arisen, um, it was going to be at least $27,000. Yeah. So uh, instead, he just flew back to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and had it done there. Injured. Yeah. And had had uh, had it done there and, and convalesced at home. So he got a um, really interesting, I mean, he has health insurance through his work, but it had not kicked in yet. Ah. So, um, so that was his, uh, you know, welcome to America. Right. <laughs> but then the other thing we were talking about, uh, was that this would be his first Thanksgiving in the United States. Cause yeah. obviously they don't have Thanksgiving in Europe. That's not a thing. I know they have it in Canada. It happens in October usually. Uh, but they, do, it's very much a North American thing. And um, he didn't really know what he was in for. Um, obviously, he doesn't really, him and his wife are Irish. They're probably just going to go over to a friend's house or something. Yeah. Um, or, you know, try cooking at home. I don't know. I don't know what, like, the Irish relationship to Turkey is. Hmm. Uh, well. But it was just, it was just really fascinating to talk to somebody newly arrived and uh, be like, "Oh yeah, this is like it's one of our good holidays, right?" Thanksgiving, right? I, uh, you know, it's non-denominational. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets to participate, and it's all it's based around hanging out and eating food. You know, the, that's the best holiday. Uh, I'm not sure where when I uh, fully, uh, you know, completed the transformation from. You know, when when we're when when one's a kid, of course, the the best mm-hmm. holidays are the ones where you get gifts, uh, right? But that you know, at some point over the course of my life, you know, it just went from like, eh, you know, Christmas, eh, take it or leave it. But Thanksgiving, oh, I'm gonna stuff myself with so much food. Thanks Thanksgiving's really great too when you get to go to someone else's family's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Because you can just kick it, like maybe you bring a pie or a side dish or something, but basically you just get to kick it and watch the drama unfold, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I've been in that position more than once. Uh, 
Just sort of. Yeah, it's sort of. <laughs> it can be uncomfortable, but on on the other hand, it's like you're so personally disinterested in it. <laughs> You know, you're literally describing my attitude in these situations as I just, you know, I'm like my, my primary concern. Okay. Just got to find the, you know, a decently comfortable, uh, seating arrangement. Uh, you know, if I, you know, there's a, if there's a good enough couch and just make myself comfortable there and, uh, you know, maybe Dills in and out of consciousness until the food actually gets served. And uh, that's what it's like to have me over for Thanksgiving. I remember. I remember there was one year we did. It was either. I think it was Thanksgiving proper. And there was a bunch of us who were sort of uh, stuck in town. uh, A bunch of us in grad school Mm -hmm. together who were stuck in town. And uh, we went over to a friend's house. And I remember that was like the first one of the first, do you remember Sonia and Matt and going over there uh, for Thanksgiving? I feel like you've actually you you. I feel like you opened the door for me being able to do that a couple of times. So <laughs> thank, thank you. I remember that was the first time I was like, "Oh, Thanksgiving can be delicious." <laughs> oh, I I have to say, like those Thanksgiving meals were such top tier. They were very good. Yeah. They were very good. They were very good. And I, I know that my mom listens to this, and I, I don't want her to think that I don't think her food is delicious. That's not the case at all. But it's also, you know, um, turkey sucks. Uh, and there's not much you can do about that. But yeah. then when you actually like get, get like something that has been like brined and then roasted in like herb butter that has been continuously applied throughout the process <laughs> like the the turkey is a vehicle for the herb butter mm. um i mean that's really on it that's when turkey can be all right you know i i concur because yeah that was pro- probably one of the most memorable uh turkey like exper- eating experiences i i've had uh yeah, yeah yeah usually it's just sort of like you know it's just like oh it just gets just drowned in the gravy and then you know uh whatever yeah um i I mean because i'm usually more of like a ham for thanksgiving person Mm because ham is a lot Mm -hmm. more interesting to eat than turkey but yeah 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 that's i i agree i'm if i'm not uh, i've only cooked thanksgiving dinner now twice ever in my life Mm -hmm. once the second time was last year um and the only reason I committed to doing everything and I did everything from scratch was because, A, I was not working at the time. So yeah. I had all the time in the world to go shopping and prep and plan and all of that sort of thing. But if you're just like a normal person, you know, and you're working up until what, like noon or five o'clock the day before Thanksgiving, before you get those days off, like, come on now. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, you know, it's, it's putting on Thanksgiving and I'm saying this now that I work in catering as well. It's basically our Super Bowl. It is a, it is a monumental lift for, for one or two people to put on Thanksgiving for, um, for a group. And so I'm doing it again this year. I have outsourced the turkey to work. I will not be preparing that because ain't nobody got time for that, especially not me. And actually, I have to work on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. But okay, yeah. yeah, so my Thanksgiving prep started last weekend. And now, like day by day, I have a task list up until Thanksgiving. So I'm not killing myself on Thanksgiving Day because I will have been up at like 5 a.m. Yeah. 
that day. Yeah. So I'm not cooking my own dinner, by the way, just, you know, being, being at work. So, you know, and then it's just, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm interested to talk to this Irish guy again and just kind of get his review on what Thanksgiving is because it is, um, it, it's, I think Thanksgiving is best when you can get everyone to like bring a dish and it's more of like a potluck situation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, oftentimes that just can't be done because, you know, everyone is traveling to one place. So they can't just like bring a pie on the plane. <laughs> you know, so. um, don't please don't do that. People. Um, yeah, I was thinking if do I have any tips and tricks for Thanksgiving? Just I'll just say this. It's going to be too late because this is going to come out Wednesday. But like maybe next year, guys, make your uh, chicken or turkey stock ahead of time. It can be frozen. And then you can also make your gravy way ahead of time. And that can be frozen. Uh, Cranberry sauce keeps like forever in the fridge because there's a really high amount of pectin. That's a natural preservative in cranberries. So that's the thing you put in jam to make it. No. you know squishy and jiggly and cranberries just have that pectin in it um so um, those are my tips like those are things you can knock out like way ahead of time but i realize it's probably coming my crystals thanksgiving tips and tricks is probably coming out a little too late Grace. Um, Robbie, you know what I'm thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful for a really interesting episode of Unsolved Mysteries this time. Yeah, this was uh, this one's quite a contrast from the the kind of bullshit we've yeah. been having to deal with uh, lately from this show. So this is um, what is it? Season six, episode seventeen. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good enough. All right. I'm going to take a sip of my drink. Uh, I like to have a nice ice cold glass of vermouth after work these days. <laughs> I like to kick back with some uh, vermouth and club mm-hmm. soda. Uh, if I had an orange slice or twist, I would have put it in there. Unfortunately, I don't have that at this time. But let's get into it. Listen, the first segment is, well, let's say it's an unexplained. <laughs> because... I don't really know what category this falls under, but it is about one of my favorite things, and it's about uh, pets and how good pets are. (laughs) Pets are so good. (laughs) Oh, my God. So the first, this is like kind of a two-parter, and the general thrust that uh, Stack is giving us is that, like, man, animals just be knowing things (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that's the segment, actually. (laughs) And uh, so we start with Sue Anderson. And very importantly, she has five cats. And she is moving from Baltimore, Maryland to Modesto, California. Now, I have never been to Baltimore, Maryland, but I have been to Modesto. I'm going to assume that was just like a lateral move for her. (laughs) Oh, okay. As far as (laughs) goes. Um, so here's the deal. She's, she's in the moving van and she has five cats, five cats. She has Puss, Cinderella, Wally Booger, that's his full name, Nova and Stardust. And she's in one moving van. And then I guess her brother, who is coincidentally also moving across the country. So they form like a convoy of moving vans. Yeah. And the segment tells us that like on day 10. Mm hmm. 
which seems like an extraordinarily long amount of time to drive across the United States. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I don't know what these folks were doing because I, I yeah, back no, last. I've done it. I've driven across the United States. You've driven across the United States. Yeah, we're, or, you know, at least all the way from like Nevada to uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And, and, you know, yeah. I feel like if I had wanted to go all the way to the Atlantic, it wouldn't have taken yeah. me no freaking 10 days to get there. I, I No, I mean, what you're in like a U-Haul, maybe like you U-Hauls don't go that fast. That's I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, so I'm thinking generously six to seven days from Baltimore to, to Modesto. Hmm. But on day 10, they're only they've only made it to Bakersfield. Now, I have a lot of questions about. Um, in the segment, Sue's got her cats crawling all over the. F- they're not even in like carriers. Yeah, this or in a crate. That's what seemed highly this seems pro- dangerous. Highly problematic to me. I mean, I don't know about her cats, but my cats. Well, yeah. they don't handle being in a car very well. Uh, right. Only like a couple of times, and it's like. I mean, it is a traumatizing experience for them, and their instinct is they want to like crawl over to where like the pedals are and hide under my feet and (laughs) making the operation of an automobile extremely dangerous that's why it's usually best when i'm transporting them i put them in the back seats where there's because there's a i drive a cop car and there's a cage and bars on the window and (laughs) they can't get up into the front (laughs) compartment um uh to, to 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 do that uh with me very smart well i'm also wondering like it's she's in this vehicle for 10 days how are the cats going to the bathroom (laughs) how is she managing the feeding schedule i mean maybe that's why it took so long is just cat management oh we just that could be such a huge part of the trip yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know maybe i mean i have i have one cat and he's insane i can't imagine like five cats she she, five five cats is too many cats that's just too many cats she 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 brings uh, the empty u-haul over to like the the dealership and like they open up the, uh, the 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 doors to it, and the smell mm-hmm. of like cat urine <laughs> just oh, like God. hits them in the face. Ooh, you know, ooh, they're like, "Ooh, you're not getting your deposit back, lady." <laughs> I mean, I I came home to from one cat four small cat barfs today. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that's because he got outside early this morning and ate a bunch of twigs and then he barfed and (laughs) (laughs) anyway your cat yeah definitely crazy five cats is too many yeah yeah okay five cats is too many cats so much like my own cat bartleby nova it's a black cat with green eyes and uh one night, uh, right before they get to Modesto, about 200 miles away, uh, Sue makes, you know, decides to sleep over at a rest area in Bakersfield. And um, she uh, cracked the window for reasons we just gave. Mm-hmm. And Nova, the black cat, disappeared. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, Sue was looking around the rest area, couldn't find any trace of Nova. So uh, she's down to four cats and she um, Sue starts a job in San Jose and a coworker knowing that she was missing her black cat. I mean, you still have four cats. I mean, I losing a pet is just horrific and awful. And yeah, and uh, I, I, you know, 
would be probably sad for like a day if her cat disappeared. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so a coworker gives Sue a picture of a black cat, and she, you know, in the reenactment, she puts it on her you know, cu- cubicle wall, and she just like is really focusing a lot of intense energy on like hoping her cat Nova is okay, and you know, wishing that Nova would come back. And uh, what Unsolved Mysteries alleges from here, a bit dubious. Mm -hmm. Because a year later in 1993, uh, Sue is leaving work and she comes across two stray cats uh, outside work. And one of them is a black cat. And um, she got the black cat to come up to her and and she noticed that the, um, the black cat had the same mole in her ear as Nova did. And several, uh, you know, white little hairs on her chest. Um, and without question, Unsolved Mysteries declares that this is Nova. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that Sue's gotten her cat back. Now, listen. I uh, I don't know about all this, Robbie. <laughs> you, you're, you're a bit, you're, you find it a bit dubious, do you? I do because literally if you put our cat in a room with five other black cats, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one was our cat. And in fact, recently there's been a black cat that has been passing through our yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of times I've been outside in the back and I've you know turned around to yell at the cat to get back in the house and realizing it was wearing a collar and that was not our cat. <laughs> Um, I was, I was just some other black cat in the neighborhood. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, how many, how many stories? I feel. How many times have you seen a story on the internet now where someone had like a tuxedo cat or an orange tabby or something that got out? It hadn't come back for a couple of days. And then like, I, uh, you know, they thought their cat came back. And then so they let this other cat back in their house and then their real cat shows back up and now they just have two of the same cat. <laughs> How many times? Have, I've seen, I feel like I've seen that story a lot. Like, yeah, I I don't I, I mean, there's just not that much difference between cats, I guess. I feel like to I make this kind of sweeping statement. I feel like I would be able to tell the difference with mine. I think behaviorally. If somehow we had a cat switcheroo and ended up with a different cat, after a couple of days, I would be like, this isn't the same <laughs> cat. But that would be based on behavior alone. Yeah, right. It, w- it wouldn't be physical appearance. It would be that your cat's no. <laughs> not eating sticks. <laughs> yeah, not eat. Well, I was like, wow, this cat seems a lot nicer. It's not trying to bite me. And it's not barfing everywhere. Is this the same cat? Like... <laughs> oh god um so uh but this is a two-parter segment yeah and um and we'll 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 see uh what camp i fall into pretty quickly here okay <laughs> with the second part of this which is about a dog named lady and uh so back in 1992 the reese family they decide to go camping up at well in the Free enactment, it kind of seems like they were in a cabin. I They weren't really camping. I feel like I saw... Yeah, it was a cabin. I feel like I saw a cabin before I skipped through most of this segment, so... Uh. Yeah, there was there was definitely a cabin, because they let the dogs out into the woods. 
Um, Why? I guess they've been to this cabin. They have two dogs, a lady who's a collie and wolf coes, a Belgian shepherd. And uh, the Reese Grafts had been up to this cabin several times in the Minnesota woods. Um, about, I don't know, it was maybe 200 miles from where they lived in Duluth. Yeah, something like that. Or wait, hold on. I remember Duluth. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, they so the family was from Duluth. They were they went about two hundred miles away to this cabin. They felt comfortable just like kind of letting their dogs run around outside, um, in the woods because they'd been there a couple of times. <sighs> oh boy, this is idiotic I... behavior. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> I, I wonder if, uh, yeah, this, uh, uh, I strongly condemn these people's actions. They're very lucky with how it turned out as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. So, um, you know, normally the dogs would come back pretty soon, but this time they didn't return. Yeah, probably because they were chasing some shit. That's what dogs do. They're not super smart or anything. Right. <laughs> and they get lost. They'll take off after something and they'll just get lost. Yeah. Um. So the family goes out searching for both their dogs. They don't find it. So... Um, and then the next day, a forest fire um, breaks out pretty close to where they're staying. So they're forced to evacuate and leave the dogs behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, here's the thing. My dog got out of a hole in the fence yeah. one night a couple years ago. And uh, we went out and searched for him. He had his collar on, too. But um, we went out and searched for him. It was at night. We couldn't find him. Uh, you know, we talked to some neighbors to keep an eye out or whatever. And uh, that was like probably the worst night of my life, of my life. Yeah. Like I was ready to walk into traffic. Oh. Um, but I want to be really clear about something. It was not because I just opened my front door and the dog ran out and I said, good luck out there, buddy. <laughs> right, like, right. He, you know, for whatever reason, decided to escape from the backyard and we couldn't figure out how he got out until later. But, um, you know, I was just devastated and my now husband was very reassuring. He's like, he'll, he's hunkered down for the night. He'll come back in the morning. And I was like, well, he's a little dog. I'm sure he hasn't gotten very far and he's wearing a collar. So if anything, maybe I'll get a call in the morning if someone finds him. And so, um, I went to sleep on the sofa by the front door just in case, Oh, you know, I could Aww. hear him outside. And then right around dawn, I heard this ur, ur, ur at the front door Aww. and he had come back and he was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he ran right past me. He growled at me a little bit and he ran right past me and got into his bed because he was freaking cold. He was so mad. Like I was the one that had put him out. Yeah, right. He was the one that escaped. Like I was the one that said, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. No, but he came back. And uh, anyway, I'm, you know, I'm kind of amazed that, um, you know, he went undetected somewhere. Yeah. All night. And then also that he was, he knew where home was and he came back. So I'm willing to give this dog story a little more credence than the cat nonsense. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I just, I find missing animals to be kind of, or lost pets to be kind of a triggering thing to the point where. Mm-hmm. 
if I became like some sort of crazed billionaire, um, uh-huh. I like I think I think I would put my efforts into like the goal would be to like pr- promote spay and neutering, not just to like you know make sure that animal populations are at a, a, a reasonable level and and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean actually with the goal of like spaying and neutering like cats and dogs into um until they're out of existence so that they can't be there can't be any more lost cats or dogs in the- I, 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 it's I a re- pretty extreme take. <laughs> I know. I it's 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 kind of a weird thing. It's it's just you know. It's like I I, I care about them so much. I don't want them to exist yeah. anymore, so they can't be mistreated by man. <laughs> yeah. No. I I I mean, I understand. Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all good boys, you know. Yeah. And. uh and uh well it's for the story of lady and wolfka so two weeks later the rice crafts get a call and lady had been found just uh by by a family just on the outskirts of duluth yeah so unsolved mysteries busts out the map and there's like here's what lady and they actually once the local news aired the story there were a couple of people who were like, oh, yeah, I saw that collie. You know, there was like a railroad worker or something. She, she saw the dog like running down the tracks. Hop, hopping on trains. Dog could not be stopped. Hopping on trains, you know, riding the rails. Yep. Yep. Hitchhiking. <laughs> um, yeah. So there was a there were a few people that like had seen. So they, they could kind of pinpoint like the route that lady had taken. Yeah back towards Duluth. And so against all odds, you know, lady was healthy, but hungry and, and the family got lady back. And I bet they just didn't like let her roam around while camping. Yeah. I um, hope they learned their fuck. Also fu- like, what the fuck? There's bears in Minnesota, right? I, I, I assume there's a lot and of li- wildlife and, in, in Minnesota that could eat, gobble up. There's like wolves and snakes and like, yeah. Don't, your dog isn't your dumb dog isn't like equipped to deal with that. So they're very lucky they got Lady back. They did not get uh Wolfka back. One can assume she oh, died God. in the forest I'm, fire or got eaten by a bear or something. I don't know. I'm glad I like, I skipped over much of this segment. I, I I didn't realize that there was one that didn't fail who failed to make it back. Yeah. But Wolfka didn't make it back, but Lady did and the family was super grateful. And you know, I listen, obviously my dog did not make it 150 miles. He probably made it like a couple blocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> before he realized he was lost and he just decided to hunker down somewhere and stay warm and try and stay warm for the night. Yeah. But um you know, I listen, people animals are very reactive. And just because they behave a certain way 95% of the time doesn't mean they're, you know, all it takes is a squirrel or them getting spooked by a loud noise or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you need just, like, a child, I would say more than a child, you need to, like, contain them and keep your eye on them. That's why our cat is not an outside cat. Mostly because he's a fucking idiot and he sticks. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we have like we have I mean, we have coyotes in our neighborhood. We have hawks. We have huge owls. We have other cats. Mm-hmm. We have raccoons like it is a shit show out there. And, you know, every couple of months, unfortunately, 
um, someone finds the shredded remains of their cat yeah. in their yard and they're like, oh, what happened? It's like a coyote happened. Yeah, I... You know? Yeah, no. What are you doing? Keep your cat inside. Yeah, if you're going to, like, if you're going to get a pet, we need... You get, like, like a robo cat or a robo dog where, you know... Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that sucker's got GPS tracking, and it's not like that so much that you... So you can find them. Like, they will, you know, keep track of you. And, right. uh, you know, mo- obviously more than a, a match for for um for an organic life form that may try to uh, challenge yeah. it um i'm not sure if there's yeah. like a going to be like a laser eyes situation or whatnot but yeah mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah or you can or you can just like air tag we yeah we low jacked our dog for a minute but then the air the apple air tag was kind of beeping too much and it was upsetting him oh okay so we we took that off but i mean like get your get your dog or cat microchipped at mm-hmm. least like mm-hmm. you know then you can prove to unsolved mysteries that it is in fact your cat <laughs> <laughs> some identical other black cat i um you know it's funny uh, uh uh out of this entire episode of unsolved mysteries like uh shockingly enough this was the most credulous that the show show was demonstrated throughout the entire episode and we're talking about an episode that has a um secret government planes ufo adjacent segment and a shroud of turin segment coming up uh late you know here so and and possibly like a cold war conspiracy right right so possibly i mean i mean why why don't we just like Let's stop talking about dead dogs. Let's talk about some UFOs. Well, before we stop talking about um, <laughs> dead dogs, God, uh, I just wanted. This isn't so much about this episode, but in the previous episode when they mm-hmm. were at the end when they were talking about what was going, yeah, you know, what was coming up on you know next week, and they were mm-hmm. talking about the you know this pet segment. I don't know if you noticed, but unsolved mysteries refer to it at they use the um, expression, uh, uh, you know, incredible journey, right? And, mm-hmm. and that, Im- yeah. that immediately set off alarm bells in my head. And I looked this up mm-hmm. before we started recording. Um, oh. Okay. So this, I mean, this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, episode 17 dropped in, January of 1993. Uh-huh. I believe. Um so um you know what movie got released into theaters like a few weeks after this episode aired and that had been, you know, obviously mm. advertised in trailers and TV spots for a while beforehand. I'm hold on, let me conjure early 1993. Mhm. In my mind. Okay, I'm at the video store. Okay. I'm looking at the VHS tapes. I like I am leaning towards it was it Milo and Otis that came out? I you you're 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 I like that you're you you obviously get what I'm talking about. Um uh-huh. and you know, maybe that also played a factor in this this segment, but like a couple weeks after this uh this episode aired was the release date uh-huh. for 
Homeward Bound, An Incredible Journey. Left behind with family friends. Have a nice vacation. And far from their home. Three beloved pets take matters into their own paws. He's Shadow. Something doesn't smell right. She's sassy. Cats rule and dogs drool. He's Chaz. Get a life. Get nine of them. <laughs> now, they're determined to find their way back. I'm going home. Critics agree. Two thumbs up, say Siskel and Ebert. A masterpiece of family entertainment, says ABC TV. In the classic tradition of Walt Disney Entertainment comes Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Coming this fall on video cassette. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I feel like the writers of Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> they, they, they worked that in there, uh, consciously or not. Oh, for, okay. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, let's let's go on and talk about uh, other things uh, not related to lost or distressed or dead <laughs> pets. Yeah. Um, well, it's okay. It's okay because people got half of their dogs back. Half half of their pair of dogs, and uh, a crazy cat woman uh, chose to believe that a stray she picked up was the same as the stray she lost. So, mm-hmm. our- well, cats are interchangeable that way. What I noticed about this next segment, because uh, it's a segment basically about gover- secret government planes with, you know, maybe a few UFO mention, you know, mentions sprinkled throughout. Did you notice that when this segment started, it didn't have a title card for what type of segment it was? I did not notice. Yeah. That. We- it's, oftentimes it's hard to notice what isn't. right right exactly there there was none because i was i and i didn't actually Hmm. i didn't i didn't notice that the first time i watched i was going back through because i was like okay what did they did they call because i was curious what they called this segment because it's like i guess it's technically unexplained but it's not what they typically the sort of stuff they would talk about when they say the unexplained uh no it just Mm -hmm. it just it just the segment just sort of music drops into stack talking, uh, uh, so interesting. I feel like they were hmm. maybe. I wonder if that's just a a weird YouTube rip or something. Yeah. Like maybe it just missed the uh, title card when it. Well, well, it, I don't know. They had a music cue and sort of like the yeah. the sort of thing where like the the title card starts to show up. But I feel like I know I my I just feel like the producers or whatever they were like we're not entirely sure what to call this because it's not really a UFO segment. Nah, we'll just it's it's kind of a, a speculation segment. Yeah, but it's not it's not. Uh, God, I'm I'm sound so cynical, but this is actually one of those ones where it's there's some meat here i think right so. no yeah there this is not like some crate like this is not a season one crazy guy trying to sell uh-huh, a book trying to sell a book <laughs> <laughs> and then and unsolved mysteries being like wow yeah you know ufos good go, go, go. yeah um mm-hmm. this this is a segment where it's i mean because it's talking about it's basically about secret government playing uh, experimentation and it kind of revolves around a particular individual named um Stephen Douglas who is mm-hmm. who unsolved mysteries describes as like a 
aviation um what did they say aviation uh investigator or something um yeah yeah i mean, I mean he's a guy who likes planes <laughs> and has made a career out of like i mean he's you know he's kind of he's he's someone who likes to watch military planes and stuff and and yeah find- he's a he's a knower of of aircraft yeah and yes yeah and he's just sort of like uh this segment is sort of you know it, it partially it's him sort of conveying his own experiences because you know unsolved mystery shows a montage of different people encountering lights and seeing stuff in the sky and describing mm-hmm. describing aircraft that do seemingly impossible right uh maneuvers and yes there's a lot of emphasis on like like sort of like there's this rhythmic thing to like you know like either having this a, a streak behind them with like flashpoints or contrails yeah like a a burst yeah a burst contrail yeah yeah so that that kind of looks like um so it'll be like a straight line and then a puff of steam and then a straight line and puff of steam which which is very noticeably different than a normal jet right and yeah. so yeah so the uh steven he you know he he gives a couple of recountings of like one is just a personal experience of him being in his house and something flew overhead and with a loud bang mm-hmm. and he did mm-hmm. he played himself running out into the front yard looking around like up in the sky like what was that <laughs> which i feel like is probably yeah. like authentically what he does many times a day <laughs> whenever he hears yeah. a plane overhead. Um, yeah. I, I had friends who lived in, in their apartment. They had a next door neighbor. who was kind of like a really reclusive guy who didn't really talk uh, mm-hmm. to anyone. Mm-hmm. And he was always outside on his phone. Like when, the, cause they lived on un, like underneath the path that uh, planes would t- take landing into Reno Tahoe international airport. And mm-hmm. so this guy was always outside in the parking lot of the apartment complex with his phone, sort of tracking their their movements or whatever. I, I guess he he was really into mm. the planes, right? He's a guy. He's yeah. He's into planes. Hell yeah. Yeah. He was kind. Of- li- listen, I'm into planes. Like yeah. This this segment spoke to me. But the other thing I wanted to mention real briefly. Um, because Unsolved Mysteries didn't make the distinction because probably in the early 90s they didn't have to. A contrail is a portmanteau of a condensation trail, and that is something that every single plane leaves from the heat of the exhaust of the jet engine. It creates a condensation trail in the cold of the upper atmosphere that the plane is flying in, so that's where you see these streaks. Mm Mm-hmm through the sky um on a clear day i mean i live right by uh the van nuys airport and the burbank airport it's plain it's planes all day planes all day here so a contrail is a real thing <laughs> and this is different than a chemtrail <laughs> <laughs> you just you just want to make clear that we're not endorsing the idea of chemtrails we're not talking we're not talking about chemtrails I'm not here to argue about that. I just want to be very distinct. A contrail is a real thing. It's something that comes out of the ass of every plane. 
it's 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 common and ex- expected result of a plane being in the cold atmosphere and the heat in the engine. That's just it's just a thing. It's like plane. It's like the plane putting out a mist of just condensation. It's just water, I right? F- so I feel like chemtrails have kind of become like quaint in conspiracy the- theorist circles now. Well, like, hey, I think it's a great time to bring it back. It's retro now, right? R- right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were what were chemtrails supposedly? They're spraying some chemical. I don't know. I guess to, uh, uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the the goal was. <laughs> these, um, yeah. I, I feel like whatever per, the perception was, it's 5G has now supplanted it as being the uh, attributed source right. of whatever nefarious scheme right. is 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 underway. Um. Thankfully, uh, Stephen Douglas <laughs> uh-huh. Stephen Douglas doesn't seem to be obsessed with any of the, this sort of stuff. He's kind of like, I guess he's really just he's focused on the planes, right? That's what his interest is, and they yeah, I, he's he's just a plane guy. Yeah, in fact, just like yeah. none, he's not into this UFO shit. He's not into this alien shit. By the way, it is the long-standing uh, opinion of this podcast that UFOs are real, but this you know we don't know if they're operated by extraterrestrials we don't know but ufos are real mm-hmm. they're real yeah um and so but you know steven he has uh photo evidence uh, of these things that he's seen right right because they're not great photos yeah no no <laughs> i mean he only uh, and and they not not extensive footage because his battery ran out which i i i'm i'm kind of inclined to believe is is the truth that you know, you because yeah, cause, for sure. Because him and his uh, wh- whoever relative, they were out recording uh, military um, um, maneuvers. Uh, all I guess you know, basically uh, for a while. I mean, there because there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. So I could I could see that you know this was at the end of the you know how much battery life they had. And yeah, he, he t- took a mm-hmm. photo of uh, uh, some footage of a sort of a a, a wedged. Um, triangular shape mm-hmm. uh craft mm-hmm. um yeah yeah now they they sort of did their best their 1992 best to clarify the image digitally for us <laughs> um what when you saw this image of this triangular craft what did it immediately did it look like to you i mean did it look like anything to you or i mean i just assumed it was like some sort of like stealth something or ever right yeah it looked exactly i mean just this outline of it looked exactly like a stealth mommer yeah. to me yeah yeah i um and i shockingly enough unsolved mysteries keeps the ufo references to a relative minimum they mm-hmm. I, I i feel like their mention of the ros because this this was at uh air force base near roswell i feel like mm-hmm. i feel like their roswell drop was even less about like shoehorning UFOs in than it was like, hey, we could save X number of dollars yeah. if we recycle some of our old Roswell footage <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for a few minutes. Right. Um, and yeah, no, uh, a St- a Stephen Douglas, uh, I, fe- I feel like this was a, a fairly measured seg- segment. Stephen Douglas, by the mm-hmm. way, I don't know about you, but to me, he kind of looked like vaguely like the actor who played Major Winchester on MASH. Uh, David Ogden, Ogden Steiner. I can't remember the guy's name. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
he um what what but one thing I found immensely suspicious on unsolved mysteries part regarding this segment is mm-hmm. at the end of the segment you know they're showing some footage of you know s- stuff in the skies and all sorts of things and they're playing something that that Stephen Douglas is saying and I feel like this was a trick to get him to like mention alien spacecraft mm-hmm. um because like it ends with him saying like uh and i'm you know i'm sure that you know they've they 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 managed to work and like to have him say something in the middle of a, the the interview or something because he was just like i mean and you could tell there's these pauses and in, in his um his voice were like I felt like he didn't want to be talking about this. It was like his, 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 what he said was something like, there are some who believe that this technology was gleamed from alien technology. And then so much. Yeah. And then, like, I was like, I mean, I was like, oh, he, they talk. I mean, they manipulated him into saying like something like, what, what about, yeah. what about people who say saying it's about aliens? And he's just try, trying to come up with some sort of response. But, and then what, what makes it really shady to me is like they, they, mm-hmm. they, they then cut from from that audio to Robert Stack, and then like straight and. So, complete 180 from what unsolved mysteries the tack that the editorial spin they usually take on this shit mm-hmm. like robert stack is like military technology based off alien spacecraft at best the idea is highly unrealistic or something i was like what <laughs> they're making yeah. it seem like st- like they're making fun of like like Stephen Douglas is like that's not what he believes, and they even then stack. No, it's not. Yeah, and then stack sort of like briefly cough mentions like uh, Stephen Douglas thinks it's based the, the this stuff was developed with conventional Earth you know technology. Yeah, it's like yeah. Well, one one of the things Stephen is saying so the he has uh, evidence or he has witnessed two sort of interesting aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one he was saying was the TR3A Black Manta. Yeah. Um, which even, which I guess a lot of people have seen. And so Unsolved Mysteries very quickly throws in like, we contacted the Air Force. They said, we don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, <laughs> we get an update. <laughs> <laughs> It it must it's probably one of the most saddest. It feels like a very sheepish white, <laughs> a very sheepish white text update. Bro, yeah, it's totally a she- sheepish white text update. It's just like, oh, so the uh, Air Force uh, says that there is, uh, in fact, a Manta aircraft. Yeah, yeah. It turns out Stephen Douglas was completely correct. Yeah, and identifying the aircraft that he'd seen, and it wasn't um, powered by alien technology, and. Uh, you know, it just makes me think, like, what else are they hiding from us, man? Right, yeah. 
if they can just say that what we're seeing isn't what we're seeing, like what are they hiding from us, man? Yeah, yeah, you're saying it, man. Like they told the they told the television program, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we've never heard of that. I feel, I feel like of all the guests that this show has had on, I probably want to speak to Stephen Douglas more than most because, I mean, mm-hmm. he was. I don't think there was. Was there a single thing he he said that was wrong? It turned out to be wrong in this segment. I th- no. Yeah, because like he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he wasn't. He's not a crackpot. He was just. He's like a journalist, and he's a a plane knower. Yeah. He's an aircraft knower. Yeah, precisely. You know, mm-hmm. he's just he's not trying to like float theories here. What I think is really interesting, though, is that this went to air nationally everyone internationally everyone's internationally we know this story this episode aired um internationally and uh i I, you know i think it really speaks well of our government that they're just like well they kind of made stephen douglas sound like an asshole so we're not going to try and cover this up (laughs) (laughs) i do yeah for sure they're just like oh whatever you know, maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Who can say? We're not going to try. We're not going to try and suppress a television program, right? You know, right? We're just going to shrug. And I like, I like that about the country we live in. <laughs> yes. Not a lot of suppression of information, just a lot of shrugging. Yep, that's good old shrugging. That's that's the American way. Um, you know. Uh, what is good to wear if you are shrugging from the cold? <laughs> Fuck, this is so forced. This is so forced. Uh, with- okay, okay, let me try again. Let me try again. Hold okay. on. You know, if if you're uh shrugging because you're so cold, it might, you know, what would be good to put on, Robbie? A shroud? Possibly a shroud. You might be. You might be a bit cold. Do I not know? Do I not know what a shroud is? And I've just forced <laughs> I, this segue into happening. I mean, I, don't I mean, know. what's the difference between a shroud and a blanket, really? I mean, when I, I, I guess if the person underneath it is alive or not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably um, what it is. Which brings us to our next story. <laughs> uh diane sawyer i am not but here's the thing uh this the shroud of turin it was uh originally aired in a segment uh much earlier i think by unsolved mysteries i'm not sure that during usually what unsolved mysteries now that we're watching it much later they have tacked on the updates to the original episode but i'm not sure that this happened with the Shroud of Turin segment. No, yeah. Which is why we're going to talk about this update. Yeah. Also because it's interesting. Um, so, uh, so the Shroud of Turin, I guess, was the thing that was on Jesus when he was in the tomb. Y- yes, and, I, I think you I think you're you're right there. <laughs> and it's the negative image of a man. So it's the. Um, it's not negative, like, um, it's negative, like photograph negative, not negative, like unpleasant. Um, and I guess it's been kept in Turin, Italy. That's why it's the shroud of Turin, not the shroud of Jesus. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that uh, all makes sense. So they've they've like given it um sorry i don't really know words right now they gave they ran it through a machine that showed that there was it's not a flat image in fact that there's like layers of the if you take the 2d image and you run it through the scanner basically it produces a 3d image which is interesting but i don't know if that demonstrates anything right um and the whole segment opens with this guy father albert uh dreisbach Mm -hmm. um and he's just like look i'm the first one to call bullshit on all this shit like i don't even like i'll call bullshit on that i'll call bullshit on this but listen i'm telling you the shroud is the real deal and i have but he uses a lot more fancy words than i'm using right now yeah um because he's sort of he's sort of a um he's sort of a dandy you know he's sort of an academic um and uh yeah and but i wanted to comment real briefly you noticed there was a really lengthy acronym under his name i yeah i kind of just ignored it as a mishmash of letters but you looked it up right yeah because i was like wow that's a lot of letters what was it what what kind of what was the acronym and what did it stand for yeah because i was thinking it was some sort of qual you know set of qualifications right like this guy's got his like Mm -hmm his master's degree and, and, uh, or, you know, equivalent in like, you know, priestly sort of stuff. Uh, the A I C C S S T acronym stands for the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta international center for continuing study of the shroud of Turin. Oh, so it was just the organization that he was affiliated with. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just thought that I just, I looked that up. I thought that was, I was curious. Well, yeah. Well, he's really elaborating on like how much of a, how much, even though he's a, you know, Catholic priest, how much of a non-believer he is in any of this nonsense. I'm like, well, you got to believe some of the nonsense, right? You're a Catholic priest. Yeah, yeah. Be a very good seemed, one if you didn't believe, right? It seemed, yeah, it uh, seemed like a but, strange thing for him to be saying. It was, yeah, it was very odd. Uh, but he started studying the shroud in order to basically disprove it, like not being real. And he, he comes away more convinced than ever that this was what was placed over Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's energy, his, his light of being impressed itself for all time as an image on this shroud. That's sort of the idea here, right? Yeah. I I I think. Okay. Well, one of the things they talk about with the shroud is that uh, it couldn't have been painted because there aren't any brush strokes. And um, that's sort of insane to me because there's like a lot, you can sponge paint a wall. You don't need to use a brush. Like, okay. I don't know, whatever. So basically um, they uh, hand this over. This is the update is that they hand this over to a um, forensic anthropologist. Mm. And uh, I wish I could remember this doctor's name. Emily Craig? Thank you. Yes. Emily Craig, yes. Uh, Emily Craig, she's a forensic illustrator and anthropologist. Um, So she basically was able, by piling up pigment on... Um, another 
paper or cloth and then and then pressing down another cloth on top of that was able to basically replicate um it's a technique called dust drawing yeah and so she was able to basically like uh she had a model in the reenactment in front of her and she was sort of doing this like dust drawing of this person and then she she you know pressed a cloth onto the dust drawing and she was able to create a negative image that's very similar to the Shroud of Turin. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, that's kind of where it ends is basically they're like unsolved mysteries basically goes solved it. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. It was just some, some talented Renaissance, um, you know, but one of the things that Emily Craig is talking about is like this idea about dust dra- drawing has is, is been around as long as people have, right. It's what cave paintings are done with. And, you know, just using ground up pigment without an implement beside your fingers to create this type of image. So it's a very old way of, um, of creating an image. So, I mean, but Unsolved Mysteries basically wipes their hands and they go, oh yeah, okay. Well, Dr. Emily Craig nailed it and now we're moving on. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing about like what radiocarbon dating and all this other stuff that's gone on with the Shroud of Turin. I don't want to get into that. I just thought it was cool that Unsolved Mysteries was like, Hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna basically debunk Shroud of Turin. It's a fake. All by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're gonna call this one. We uh, we got some we got some interesting skepticism being thrown into this uh, program. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is it is a, it is very interesting. It's like um. Not what I unsolved mysteries really does like to play both sides sometimes, you know. Yeah, the believer and the skeptic. I appreciate I appreciate when they do that. Um, so yeah, it keeps it interesting. Oh, yeah, keeps yeah. it fresh. No, for sure. Uh, our, our our final segment takes place in uh, Ohio at a. Uh, I was never really clear. This isn't a nuclear power plant. It's a place for making components for nuclear power plants um it processed high-grade uranium for the use in nuclear weapons oh okay uh basically you know that sort of stuff and um this is a uh this is an unexplained death uh segment uh yeah uh, concerns a man by the name of uh dave box uh, who worked at this uh, this plant? And uh, I mean, if, um, I just actually I have to mention this right now because if there's anyone out there who's like me, who gets triggered by lava, if you're, and if you're one of us, yeah, content warning, uh, hot lava. <laughs> yeah, if if you're one of us, you you know. That like when when we're talking about being triggered by lava, we get triggered by molten metal just as much. And so, oh God! Wow, how do you think this started with you? Um, I just find it like horrifying the idea of like falling into into that. Uh, into something like that. I just, it's funny, just recently, like a week before recording this episode, there was some new, there was something on like Yahoo news or something about a guy had fallen into like molten steel at a 
plant somewhere. Yeah. And they, you know, like the, the article, whoever they were talking with was like, yeah, I mean, he basically died instantly. Like his body was like, you know, uh, uh, yeah. gone with it, but you just, you just evaporate. Yeah. It's something that odd, but, yeah. but still I was just like, Oh, um, I don't know. I think there's something sort of intriguing and beautiful about becoming one with molten rock or metal. in essence you go on forever yeah i mean i also but i like is it the is it the liquid liquidity of it that you don't like or is it the heat or both you know i i feel like the liquidity uh the, the liquid aspect of it is probably you know there's something going on there like I mean, okay, yeah. Like like if it was just a solid block of steel that like just fell on someone, I wouldn't find that anywhere uh-huh. near as trigger triggering. Um, okay, well let's go in the opposite direction. How would you? Are you upset about the idea of falling into a giant vat of chocolate fudge? Oh, in uh, like drowning. Or just no, you 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 get to live, but you're just in the fudge. I mean, I, is that upsetting? Uh, I guess I why well, I, I mean I guess I don't really find find that upsetting. I mean, like I'm gonna have to gonna have to really clean myself off when I get out. But so yeah, so I yeah. I, I I mean the I guess it's I mean it's it's the it's the liquid aspect and it's the heat uh-huh. combined. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of kind of think about lavas having kind of a, f- a hot fudgy quality to it. Oh, okay, that's fun. I mean, I, I have to admit, like, <laughs> but- if someone could d- devise like a cake, right? Like, you know, like a chocolate mm-hmm. cake or whatever, and it's in the shape of a volcano, and then like hot fudge like comes out out like a volcano, you know, runs down like lava. That'd be pretty fun. Uh huh. Um, so what you're describing is called a chocolate lava cake. <laughs> and that's very real. Like you could go to the grocery store tonight and buy one and just microwave it and have that experience. Well, yeah, but I mean like having like a flow coming out of like the the of the of the lava, right? Like like uh-huh. like you're at a big party somewhere and some like weird catering company has this giant mountain of like cake and you're watching Uh like the the piping hot like fudge like running down the sides of it um because they got Uh like some sort of pump or something that's like shooting it out uh maybe maybe even has a little sort of like mini eruption looking like stuff going on um yeah yeah is that but is that upsetting to you or is that okay oh yeah no that's fine uh i Okay, I'm just I'm I'm so, I'm trying to like I'm trying to push around your phobia to see like where how it came together. But, you know, we've spent enough time on me torturing you. We should probably <laughs> Okay, so Dave Box works at this plant uh and that he he carpools, he ride, ride shares with someone, right? So I don't under I don't understand yeah. the, they were explain Very ahead of the time. Yeah, but I don't get what the I mean cuz they it's not that he's not getting picked up from work. Instead, he's sort of parking in the parking lot of a restaurant, a diner. And like mm-hmm. the guy parks next to him and he gets into his car. 
It's like yeah, maybe it's a nice middle point for them. Maybe they live like really far away. Okay, from... yeah, perhaps that's. I was gonna say like, well, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, they they go to the plant. Uh, they make a big thing about like Dave was asked to go do something, and he he left yeah he left his toolbox open, and the block to it with the key still in it was on the top uh top shelf of the toolbox and that's critical because when um dave isn't around later that's still there so he didn't come to get his keys um people they they witnessed him uh sort of in the in the truck in a truck with his coworker talking about something then another person witnessed him going to an odd part of the plant uh that he wouldn't normally be working in and i don't i guess this all had to do with like this plant or something they released they ended up accidentally releasing radioactive materials right oops yeah it happens uh yeah and I guess I, I guess the that I don't know I I couldn't discern any other like explanation for because the unsolved mystery suggests the possibility that the plant had him killed. Uh-huh. Uh Some I guess maybe he was going to go public with something related to this or yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, they did name the this segment whistleblowers. Oh, I didn't even in the description. I didn't even realize. Yep. Um. Yeah. So yep. So that is the implication here is that Dave. I mean, look. What, what is it? Is it really worth silencing someone in a vat of uranium or whatever the hell because they might have you might have incurred an EPA fine? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on how substantive the the fine is, right? Um, right but in in this case because Dave died in the vat of uranium it was some kind of furnace situation I don't know how all this works yeah but now they're facing possibly an OSHA investigation that's worse right yeah it's worse than the EPA I think yeah yeah you don't want OSHA snooping around I mean the EPA you don't whatever uh, but yeah, so yeah, like they had like a real some some reenactment scenario of like because you know like, some pr- scenario Prince sent it is like well maybe he got shot or they hit him on the back of the head and mm-hmm. they 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 threw the body into the the one of these smelting things, um, and and the 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 person they were interviewing, he like he. <laughs> And the and the thing that's triggering to Robbie is like I sure he said something like I sure hope at least he was dead before they put him in there because I don't like the idea of you know of him being alive and being put in there. I was like, yeah, neither mm-hmm. do I, neither mm-hmm. do I. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, because like his body, yeah, his body ended up like like had been put in one of these smelting things. Like some other worker was like saying to his shift supervisor like hey there's a there's a weird substance kind of like coating the surface and i don't know i don't think like 
something's and then the guy in the supervisor was like, ah, it's fine. And it's like, man, I think there's like a leg inside there. What? Yeah. And the shift supervisor, he moves a pole around, but he doesn't really seem to find anything, I, I guess. But yeah, eventually they they find bits and pieces of metal things that Dave would have had on this person. And there's like a few bone fragments um, mm-hmm. that are apparently sealed away in like concrete and left at this site that's now abandoned because <laughs> they're too toxic. Um, there's a whole oh, bunch man. of other ins and outs. Uh, I don't think that was covered in the, the actual unsolved mystery story about keys getting moved around and things being in a locker and the, oh, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. But, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the cops are basically saying, well, I committed suicide and we all, we bricked it up anyway. It doesn't matter. So, uh, that's, Real. that was basically the sheriff's take on that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, hey, uh, Robbie, people want to get in touch with us. They want to reach out and touch us. How could they do that? Well, f- I mean, for now, <laughs> how could they do that? Yeah. Um, go, uh, if, uh, Twitter still exists, go to, uh, mm-hmm. re, uh, at reenacted pod send us an email at mm-hmm. google reenacted pod at gmail.com um mm-hmm. you know uh mosey on over to patreon we got a one dollar tier if you just want to support the program and then a five dollar tier mm-hmm. and there's a, a, f- a few benefits to that and then yeah it's page wait 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 patreon.com slash reenacted pod that's oh, where to find us okay you gotta tell them where to find us well, I mean, if they just search for the podcast name and put Patreon and Google, and yeah, I also I also put the link in every single one of our episode descriptions. <laughs> so. Nice, nice, and uh-huh. uh, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts and might rate podcasts, give us five stars, or don't give us any rating at all. That's fine too. Just don't mm-hmm. do anything that's yeah. not one of those two don't things. Do, yeah, don't don't do any weird in between stuff. Yeah please well um happy thanksgiving to all who celebrate maybe you're listening maybe you need a break from the family and you're listening to this uh in the driveway of your (laughs) familial home because you just need a little time out on thanksgiving day we see you we feel you uh it may be you're not listening maybe you don't celebrate thanksgiving maybe you live in australia and have no idea what the fuck we're talking about um and maybe you celebrate something else called i don't know wombat day and that's a thing uh (laughs) okay robbie do you want to do the thing for every mystery there is someone somewhere doesn't give up trying to find a solution